I truly feel like, and I say this on my Instagram poster once I was like, the thirties have been my best because I feel like oh, you start heart. to truly, you know, embody who you actually are. You're not afraid of things anymore. You're ready to step fully into things. You have learned a lot of lessons, you process things. And I feel like it might be, you know, an important message for like younger women that you have listening of like, it's going to be scary. And there's going to be, you know, like you said, you, you attached your identity to golf. Mine was being this young entrepreneur and it was scary to not be that anymore, but you had to teach yourself like, that's not actually who I was. That's what I did. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCur, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. Today, I'm very excited for my guest. I reached out on DM and sure enough, she said yes. Emily Frizella is on the show. I've been a fan for quite some time. She is the founder of the Paper and Plan Company. She's the author of not one, but two cookbooks. She's COO of 44-7 Media, the Arate Syndicate. She's a coach and a speaker. And today we talked about time management and why it is so key for success. You guys are going to love today's show. You're going to have so many takeaways. And at the end, Emily and I talked about how we are so very similar in how the 30s have happened to be like our best years. You guys are going to love today's episode. Y'all, I'm super stoked for today's guest. Her name is Emily Frizella. And if you don't know her, you're probably living under a rock. Perhaps you know her husband, Andy. I've been a big fan for a really long time. And when I reached out to Emily, I knew that she liked short and sweet messages. So it was like an emoji. It was very much, I know you're a busy human. Would you have the bandwidth to be on my podcast? And she so graciously said yes. So I just wanted to say thank you and welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. And I, I love that you said, like, yes, short and sweet. That's one thing that people know. And I know we're going to talk about it today as far as managing time and such, but get to the point. No one wants to read your 12 paragraph email when the question's hidden within it. Just ask what you want and be direct. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it so much. Do you know who, um, by chance, do you know who Omar Elitar is? Uh-huh. He's really cool. He has a he has a podcast called The Passionate Few. He's actually um interviewed Ed and um he's interviewed a bunch of really cool people. But um one of the things that he always said and I thought it was so interesting. It was my biggest takeaway when I interviewed him. He said always make sure to add an emoji. And this is a big thing for anyone listening to this podcast. If you want to get someone's attention, add an emoji before you ask the question in the DM, because most people go through their DMs like yourself. You probably have hundreds of DMs that, from random people. Mm -hmm. Well, most people would like like notice a random emoji. So I always start with an emoji. I just say, hello, I'm super grateful to like be in your community. Would you like to yeah. be on the podcast? Cause everyone is like very busy. I know myself, like 
exactly the same thing. I don't need your whole bio. Let's just get it short and sweet. And if I have the time, I'll absolutely do it. <laughs> yeah. And something that I actually do um, on top of that is, um, so I do the emoji if I'm trying to reach out to someone, but this is just a helpful tip for anybody that's trying to connect via DM is do the emoji, but then in all capital letters, use your the first line as your subject line because you know you see a preview in your DMs. So if I was reaching out to you, I could say, have a DM of like a microphone and say, you know, be on my podcast and then do space down a little bit and then add like the, hey, I have this podcast, it's called XYZ, would you like to be a guest on it? That way someone knows what it is because you get the emoji, you get the all caps and you're using that very first line of your DM as a subject so they know what it is so they know it's actually of business of importance instead of just like, hey, what is this? Or hey, you know, what's your dog doing today or whatever? So that's something that's on top of that because then the uh, conversion rate on those DMs of how many opens is dramatically higher than if you just, you know, try to take a, take a guess at it and be like, hi, how are you? And then get I totally it. agree. You guys, you could turn this podcast off now. I know you won't, but if you turn this podcast off now, <laughs> you got so much value already <laughs> about how to be successful. And, you know, that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to reach out to Emily to have her on the podcast. I've always, you know, I've been a, you know, a follower now for probably close to a year since I found out who you are. I think it was kind of like an Arate type of situation. Yeah. And, and obviously, you know, watching you know, your life and your business. You just said that you and your husband have over 11 businesses that you run together. I'm, you know, I'm super, super attracted to women who are confident, successful and all the things. And so I immediately, you know, was a resident with all of the things that you put out. And I think that one of the reasons why um, you are so successful is because you've figured out how to use your time really, really well. And every caption and every post that you put out always gives so much value. And I think that that's so important. And now in the day and age that we're in, because it makes you want to read your whole entire caption. Like I'm sure you, you know that from your followers, but I read like from front to back, from top to bottom. And I, I love how you always give so many good takeaways. Um, one, that, one thing that I was reading uh, kind of caught my attention in a post a few months ago was the fact that you said when you were younger, when you were like 14 or 15, uh, you worked at a golf course and yeah. that's how you yeah. So it kind of caught my attention, obviously playing professional golf for such a long time, but I totally resonated with that pod or with that post because one of the core values in your business, and I'd love to talk about that as well, but one of the core values in your paper and plan, um, paper and plan business is you have a relationship first. And I think that that is absolutely 110%, one of the biggest keys to my personal success, my husband's success, and I know to your success. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about like, obviously the core values and how that is obviously one of the biggest keys to your success? Yeah, absolutely. So relationship first mentality is something that a lot of people seem to almost look over because in the world of entrepreneurship, we're so focused on networking, 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 and people associate networking with dollars. They're going, they want to quote network to make a sale instead of actually build relationships. So relationship first mentality is trying to remind yourself to keep focus on the person. What do they have? You know, what are they, what do they enjoy? What about, you know, their family and their life and things like that. It's building a relationship and then you know what, if a sale comes with it later on down the road, great. If not, at least you made a new friend and I hire and fire based around my core values for my company. And if someone doesn't align with them, they're not a good fit because, you know, the core values are so important um, in any business because a lot of people you hire based upon what someone can do, you fire based upon who they are. 
Well, if you flip that on its head and you hire based on who they are, meaning do they align with your core values? And one of them is relationship, relationship first mentality, then you're going to have a better, a higher rate of, um, them staying and being happy within your brand because they do align with it. And the relationship first, people just always seem to overlook that and go after the sale. That's such a mistake that young entrepreneurs make now is because, you know, they're, they're hungry. They want to make that sale. They're investing all this. And I, I understand that, you know, like I was once at that point with my very first business when I was 20, but it's, you, you can't lead with the sale. You have to lead with who you are as a person because people want to buy from a person, not necessarily a logo or a brand. Mm, it's so true. It's, it's absolutely a hundred percent the truth. Like, I mean, over the years in, especially like what I was doing, you know, for such a long time, I got paid a lot of money to go hang out with people on the golf course. And the reason why that was, was I was an okay golfer. I looked okay, but overall I had, I had the ability to create really great relationships because I actually gave a shit about right. the humans that were there. And if you right. can create a human relationship and you can understand like some people on the golf course didn't even give a shit about golf. But when I started asking them about like football, oh my God, we had a human connection right off the bat. And, you know, or one of my clients owned a trucking company. When I see that truck driving down the road, even still today, I'll send him a text message and check in. That person right. is going to be a lifelong customer. And I think that's like super, super impor important to remember. You know, you have a mission statement and core value and all of these things for your company. Did you start in the beginning of all of your businesses having those? Or is that something that came along the lines? Because I know a lot of people listening to this podcast, you know, when they're deciding it's their turn to do something and they're starting their business early. I think a lot of people skip over that. For me, the book Traction yeah. was really a big, I don't, I'm sure you know the book, but it's a really great book talking about mission statement and building a team and core values. Did you start that in the beginning? Is that a big key to your success in the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. It's from day one. So my very first business when I was 20, obviously I didn't do that. You know what I mean? I was young, naive. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, but as I, you know, moved forward with my entrepreneur, you know, life of all these businesses and stuff, I do always lay that out first and foremost, because you have to instill it from day one, because, you know, I, my very first employee with paper and plan co was my sister. She worked in family law for 16 years. And I was trying to hire her for three years to come work for me for one of my other brands. And she was like, no, no, no. And finally, you know, she's a big organizer and loves planners and stuff too. So finally got her away and she quit and came to work for me and it's my sister. So obviously I've known her my entire life. But yet we still have core values. We still go over them. We have, you know, all the readings that we do and everything like that. Um, we have assigned readings within the company. But then, you know, I have my other employees and stuff. And every time someone comes on, we go through the core values, what they mean, what they stand for. And I even do this even in, um, I have a Facebook group for women. It's called In Good Company. It's a private group. And in the group, this is just a Facebook group. I have the very first announcement or post on the pages, the core values of the group and the mission and the, Hey, if you don't abide by these, you are out of the group, you know, no question asked. And you know, this is this, and it's created such a wonderful environment and community because people know what I stand for and what, you know, I'm not going to, you know, basically put up with. And that's the same as you like in your business. And the people get a little bit uncomfortable when it comes to core values and mission statements, because the big question I get asked, cause I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching is, well, how do I do core values? I've been in business for five years. I have 75 employees. I feel cheesy trying to implement it at this point, you know, when it's just this new thing. 
And it's like, it's not that, you know, it, I always tell people like, write out your core values, you, you know, five to seven, maybe nine of them. And then share that, have a meeting and share that. Be like, hey, look, the company's growing. As we grow, we're going to have more people come on. It's important that we keep the culture and the integrity that we have in our company now. So I want to instill these so we can all live by these rules and values. And anybody that comes in, we can all make sure that the new people abide by these. And that's always been so helpful because they're like, okay. Then they, it gives them a way to introduce that in a non-cheesy like cheesy way. <laughs> yeah, and it means, I mean, it helps them understand like, why do we even exist? And I think that that's right. kind of like a really good transition question is like, why did you start the companies that you did? Like, why do you have such a mission to succeed in this world? Like, obviously between you and Andy, you have 11 businesses, but like, why, why are you so driven to succeed? Like, what is it in you? Do you think it's innate or is it something that you have kind of learned along the way? So I grew up in an entrepreneurship family. My dad owned trucking company and brokerage firms my entire life. Um, so I saw entrepreneurship from a very young age. But for me, every business I've started has been started because I did not find what I wanted on the market or I felt it could be done better. And that was my inspiration for literally everything, you know, all of my, my personally owned um, businesses, not the businesses that I work with in, um, you know, with Andy and such, but like my fit home and health with the cookbooks and stuff. It's because I didn't find any healthy cookbooks out on the market that weren't crazy expensive or these weird exotic ingredients, or people don't have three hours to prep for their dinner. They want to get home from work, get dinner together in less than 30 minutes, and then get on the table, still eat healthy and stay on their goals. So I started that. And then with women in business, I was so tired of seeing all this woo-woo glitter bullshit out there in the world of like, if you want to be a woman and succeed, you just got to have this glitter pin and be a boss babe. And like all these like, you know, catchy little terms that are hashtags on Instagram. And it just grossed me out. I was like, how about just being a woman and just being good at what you do? Like, it's not about man or woman. I've never been focused on what's between your legs. I don't care if you're the best, you're the best period. And that's where the women in business came from. And it's just been wildly successful because there's so many more women that want that than the glittery, you know, glitz of things. And then with paper and plan company, um, that was something that I started because of my passion for planning. It's something I've done literally since junior high, I've always carried a planner and, uh, I did it for a couple of years before I actually launched the official company. Um, through my fit home and health company, I started selling the planners as a test market. So I worked for two years as a test market with that. And then before I launched the real, um, the, the real company, I call it before I launched the company that's dedicated just to that with like stationary products and office essentials and things like that. So it's all sparked out of seeing a problem and trying to fix the problem. Oh, I think that's so good. I actually remember one time watching like Shark Tank or something like that. And I think one of the sharks said like the best products that were, that have ever come into the tank are the, are the products that were created specifically because there was a need that no one else could fit. And I think it's just like, you know, it exactly. It makes sense. Like, why are you trying to do something that everyone else is doing. Like you couldn't find those cookbooks. So why the hell not do them yourself? Cause that's what you right. were interested in. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so many people I think try to see that like, Oh, this is working for this person. That must be what's popular. I will copy that to have a business. That's not going about it the right way. It's finding the holes in the boat of how can I do this, but do it better and make it the best on the market, you know? And it's, and people are so um, focused on like trying to be the cheapest or, you know, you know, having the, the most quantity of, you know, business and things like that. But it's, it's niching down and realizing, you know what, like my planners are not the cheapest by any means. I'll be the first to tell you that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's considered like a luxury business, 
And that's not because, you know, oh, it's, you know, we just want to make a lot of money. It's because they're very expensive to produce to get the quality that you want. And you know what? I can deal with someone saying, hey, your planner is just not in my price point right now. I'm fine with that. 10,000% comfortable with that. What I can't handle is someone saying, you have a cheap product that I would never want to pay for, even if it was half the price that it is. I never want to be known as the cheap, the quick, the, you know, pushing out, you know, a bajillion pieces of it just to be able to get out on the market. No, I want the best. I want the best quality. I want the best customers. And when you create that, you naturally, um, those people gravitate to you that also respect and love quality and luxury items. Yeah. And your, your whole entire like life and business is around that. I've been listening to you and your, is is she your sister-in-law that podcast? Mindy. So her, it's so funny. I've, we've known each other for like 16 years. Okay. So her boyfriend is Andy's business partner since like okay. 99. I knew there was like a family yeah. connection. I couldn't figure it out, but like your sisters. sister-in-law <laughs> does the injections or something. Is mm. that, is that correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so did, yeah. So my sister-in-law, she's a, she's a aesthetic nurse practitioner. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I was listening to the podcast, but so before, so everything has seemed to go like really organically, but obviously you've had a massive passion for what you're doing. Like obviously the cookbooks, like, was that like, how did the, those things come about the cook, the cookbooks? Obviously you were trying to figure out, you know, you were trying to fill a gap of what you couldn't yeah. find on the market yourself, but have you always had a passion for health and fitness? Oh yeah. I always have. It's just been, so I was an athlete all my life through college and it's just something I just, I enjoy being active and the health and fitness space. And, you know, you say everything, you know, is organic and it, it kind of did, but I do want to touch on this a little bit, you know, everything's organic, but it's also by design, you know? So that's the thing is, you know, I didn't just decide to come out with cookbook. I actually started to kind of lay up the whole movement two years before it came out with Snapchat. So Snapchat was so popular and I was writing my cookbook in the background, but I was, what I was doing is I was testing recipes. I was on Snapchat. I did a thing called Snaptorials every single day for 14 months straight. I would get on there. I would show you how to make a healthy and clean recipe. I would see the responses that people gave to certain recipes as to what they wanted. Then I could also craft my book around that. So it seemed like the cookbook came organically, but the whole, for two years before that, I was testing the market. Same thing with planners. Two years back in, was your 2017, 2016 or 2017, I started doing webinars and YouTube videos of how to organize, how to plan, things like that. I wanted to test the market. And then two years later, I came out with my very first planner under Fit Home and Health. And then now I, you know, launched the paper and plan company. But with me doing the YouTube videos and things like that year, you know, back in 2016, 2017, knowing I was going to have these planners, I was doing the homework there to figure out what I need to do for my brand. And I was also using that to position myself as an expert in the field of planning, organization, and time management. That way I had built a following to where when I came out with it, it was a natural organic thing that these people that also loved what I was doing would like, would love the new company as well, because it's all the things that I had talked about years earlier. Oh my gosh. The strategy behind it. It's kind of like, everyone <laughs> just thinks like, Oh, it was an overnight success. It's like, yeah, nope. <laughs> for, exactly. For two years you had it in the, it's been, yeah. It's been like five years total since that start to now. Oh my <laughs> gosh. See, that. that's the thing. People just automatically assume, Oh yeah, she's just so lucky. It just came out, but yeah, you were doing it every single day for 14 months. I love it. Yeah. I posted a devotional every single morning for four years, including when that's I was awesome. climbing like Mount Kilimanjaro and all the things. And people are just like, well, how did you grow your phone? I'm like, every 
every single solitary freaking day. I've never missed a day. If I miss a yeah. day, I mean, it means I'm dead. Right. But so like, yeah, go ahead. Goes to your relation. No, that goes to your relationship. First thing is that you did that and you were building relationships with your followers and such, you know what I mean? And engaging with them and responding back to DMS, you know, it's not just the relationship with customers. It's the relationship of everybody around you. You know what I mean? Because let's say we meet on the street and we're, we start chit-chatting. You may not like planners, but you know what? You might know someone that likes planners. And then you go tell that person, that person loves it. They tell other people, you know what I mean? So we can't, um, you, one of my core values with the paper and plan company is that you, you can never underestimate the significance and respect of someone because you just never know what they're capable of as themselves, who they know, what they can do. So it's, it's never, ever taking that for granted. Yeah, absolutely. The power of human connection is massive. You never know what one yeah. conversation is going to instill and everything. So why is time management so important to like success in general? Like, obviously you seem to have that down pretty darn well. And I know that like, even with the clients that I work with, I mean, so many people nowadays are so overwhelmed, like there's so much to do in a day. So why is time management and how do you help people with time management? Like, what are the top few tips that you have for, you know, women in particular, a lot of women listen to this show, obviously, for women in particular to really nail down the time that they have in the day. Like I've always said, I've said it for, you know, five years, time is the most valuable asset on the planet. And if we're wasting it and we're not using it wisely, to me, it's like, you might as well throw money out the door because, you know, time is money. Absolutely. So um, with, you know, what kind of uh why time management is so important. So think about this day and age. We have our Apple watches that go off and ding like crazy. We have our cell phones that are dinging and crazy. You know what I mean? We have our, our cars or the GPS and stuff. Those things ding and talk and all this crap, you know, and computer. There's so many ways for people to touch you now for whatever they need that it's your time becomes not your time because it's basically essentially everybody else's when you start to respond to those people. So what I do is I use, I obviously use a planner um, and then I do time, I time block. So I use a time cube that you can get on Amazon. You just search time cube and or time block, whatever you want to do. And it's just like a little battery operated cube. And I set it to different times of like 30 minutes or 15. And then you just like flip it up and it starts, it counts down basically for you. It's like just a timer. And it keeps me on track with my goals because here's the thing is like, if you just, if you start to be so, um, responsive to every single person. The thing is time is not yours. So it's being able to flip that and be like, you know what? I'm not going to check my emails in the morning because you know what emails are? Emails are someone asking you for something. That's not your time. You're spending your time helping other people instead of, you know, prioritizing what you have to do. Same with my text messages. I put my phone on do not disturb for quite whoops, several times during the day when I need to like really focus and get my deep work done. I put on do not disturb. I put it face down. And then maybe every 30 minutes, I'll flip it over to make sure there's no like emergency or crisis. And then I just flip it back over and get back to work. So it's very important that we just, we figure out how our time serves us. So this is things like finding your zone of genius. Like when, when do you feel the best to work now? Granted, if you have children, that might be different. It might alter your schedule slightly. I don't have children. Um, but it's figuring out like, okay, you know what? I feel the best between 10 o'clock and three o'clock. I'm going to get all my work done there. And then I can, you know, do emails and stuff at night or do whatever I want to do early in the morning, things like that. Um, something that a tip that I use is the time cube. I do priority needs and wants every single week on Sundays. So I take about 15 minutes and I have a pad that has priorities listed needs and wants. 
So I go through my schedule. What are my priorities that week? Do I have appointments or meetings that, you know, like, okay, so this was written down on as a priority for this week on Sunday when I was doing it. Things that I have dedicated times that I have to show up for. And then I have a need section. I write down what I need to get done, but it's not necessarily a priority. And then finally I have wants. Those are things obviously I want to get done, but I'm not sure if there's time. So that could be things as, as petty as like, you know, picking up the dry cleaning, getting a pedicure, or I want to research new you know, software services for this, not immediate, but I do kind of want to get to it one day, you know, kind of thing. And then what I do is I go through my planner for that week. I use my priority needs and wants pad, my list, and then I transfer those priorities, make sure I have the scheduled time for them. And it's not just, it's going to be a 20 minute this it's, I allow for the, the drive time, the drive back, or, you know, if it's get on this podcast, I allow 15 minutes before to get the computer set up and get things going, whatever it might be. And you always want to have like that little buffer in there. So after I plug in my priorities for the week on my time, then I go back um, through my needs and I'll see the holes that I have in my schedule and I'll find, oh, you know what? I have an hour here. What's something on my needs list that will take an hour total to complete? And I'll plug that in. So it's kind of like a plug and play system. And then at the end of the needs list, if I don't have any room left in my schedule, the little things on my wants list have to wait till next week. But if I have time, I'm like, oh, I got two hours here. I'll go, I'll go get a pedicure or whatever it is, then I'll add that then in there. And the thing is, this creates such a structure with you that you feel like you are in control of your time because a lot of people, time management is the number one thing that women struggle with because we try to do it all. And I think, you know, it's, it's not just you being a career woman, whether you work within a business or you, you know, are a stay-at-home mom, you know, and you're, you're managing all your kids and things in the household, but it's like, we all have things we have to get done during the day and it's, you can't add any more time to it. So then it comes down to, okay, I'm stressed. I am to the max. What can I do? Well, what can I outsource? You know, I outsource my grocery shopping. I use an app called Shipt. So that's the thing is like time and health are things you can never buy a way out of. However, buying time by outsourcing is the key. So the groceries don't cost me. It's basically Uber for grocery shopping. You just tip them and it's great. So I, you know, I'll outsource that. I never, I hate shopping. So I'll get like, you know, subscription boxes that I can try it on at home and send back what I don't want. I buy my time in those little ways. You know, it's, you know, is, do you need a housekeeper or someone to mow your lawn? What will help alleviate some of that time and help you take back your time and own it? Oh my gosh, we are the exact person. I hate shopping. Mind you, I do like grocery shopping. I hate clothing shopping, but yeah. I do the exact same thing. Like I have someone come and do my laundry. She puts like my husband and I, we don't have children either. And yet, and I know that there's a lot of people who would go, oh yeah, it must be nice. But I promise you, how many hours a week would you spend on cleaning your house or doing your laundry or ironing or doing going to the dry cleaners or picking up you know, groceries, whatever it is. I know for a fact, the amount of hours I work in my business, the amount of hours my husband works in his business. If I can get two hours of my life back to spend time with my husband, I will pay whatever it costs in order yeah. to do that. Absolutely. A hundred percent on the priorities list. Um, obviously I know that, you know, you're on 75 hard right now. Do you add in your priorities of spending time, like for the things that are really important to you? So like, either, you know, working out prayer time with your husband, it, are those things already added into the calendar as priorities in the beginning of the week? Yes. Yeah. I add those in. I actually schedule my workouts, what time I'm going to do that because it's super important to me because with 75 hard, you know, it's two 45 minute workouts. So I put those in the beginning of my day, like the very first thing I'm sorry. Um, on Sunday, I plan those out in my week. The very first thing that I put down because I have to plan around those things because 
If I'm working out in the gym, I'm sweaty and gross. Well, then if I have to do a video call with somebody, I have to get my shit together, right? So I need to allow like, okay, well, 45 minute workout, I'm gonna need another 30 minutes to get cleaned up. So I have to schedule that accordingly. Or if it's an outdoor workout in the in Missouri in the heat, it's gross. And I look like a ragamuffin whenever I get done. So I'm like, okay, I do that at the end of my day because you're hot, you're tired. Like, I don't wanna have to get cleaned up again for something else, you know what I mean? So I schedule those things like around my, I make my schedule around those things of what is a priority to me. And then with Andy and I, you know, yeah, we get to spend a lot of time together. We spend, we spend more time together than we do apart because we work together, you know, I'm the CEO of his personal brand and also the Arte syndicate. So I'm at headquarters every single day. So we see each other a lot, but at night, you know, we, we like to hang out like, you know, watch TV, play with the dogs, whatever it is. So by you taking control of your time, you actually end up finding you have a lot more time in your day as long as you stay strict to your schedule. Because here's the thing is people waste so much time. They don't realize like if they do a time audit, they're like, holy cow, I just, I spent two hours on Instagram today, just scrolling for mindlessly. And that's what I always tell my girls. I'm like, post with purpose and engage with purpose. There's a reason, you know, there's a reason to be on Instagram and it's not just to keep scrolling mindlessly because it's, it's habitual. You're doing it without a purpose. Yeah. And a lot of people, it really screws up. You know, I, I, obviously I help a lot with like the mindset and things like that. Like when you're scrolling on Instagram and you get sucked into the rabbit hole, so many people go down the comparison. So people, people go down the imposter syndrome and it stops people from actually taking action on what they need to be doing. Instead of they're looking at what everyone else is doing, kind of like what you said in the beginning, why try to copy someone, do your own thing. Like it's one thing to look at people's social media, but it's a whole nother thing to compare yourself to what everyone else is doing. Most people, you get the highlight reel. I always try to like give, you know, as much of a real, real shot of what is actual real and what is not. But when you're going on social media, it's amazing how many time, how many hours you can spend on there and really not accomplishing anything. Like, are you actually making money in your business by you think you are by like getting on and like looking at other people's shit. But then two hours later, you haven't accomplished anything that you actually need. I know for myself, I think one of the biggest, you know, um, detriments to people starting their business is the fact that like a lot of people know all the things consume, consume, but they forget about the action part. And that's like the absolute biggest thing in order to have any success, in my opinion, is like the action. (laughs) Totally. And that the action is what happened. You know, you take the action, you feel great that you achieved it. It's going to build your momentum, build your confidence, and it's going to keep rolling. You know, that's the thing that people don't don't think about it. It's like, yeah, would I just like to hang out and scroll on Instagram and look at all the cute dogs all day? Sure. But guess what? Shit isn't happening. And I've got employees I got to pay and everything else. So, so it's prioritizing your time. And something I do too, is like, I create my top five. So this is something off of my regular daily schedule. I have my little hour blocks, but then I have a top five of things that I need to get done that, um, you know, are going to help me forward. So like now, you know, I'm doing my next launch on Thursday for the new 2022 planners. So today's top five all equate to things that I have to have ready for the launch on Thursday. So the site's ready to roll and everything else like that. So it's, it's creating those little, those little tasks. And they're not very, if they take a lot of time, then I do actually add to my planner, but if just little things here or there, like, Oh, shoot this email to this person, call this person back book the dogs, a groomer appointment, little things like that. I add those in because it helps me to really keep track of my time and to feel good that like, okay, I've got this stuff handled because I think a lot of times in our brains, it's like a casserole. There's like all this shit in there and it's mixed up and it seems so overwhelming, 
But when you actually put pen to paper, and I always call those brain dumps. If you're feeling- Oh, I was about to say, do you brain dump? That's so yeah. funny because I do the exact same yeah. thing. Yeah, like- so I brain dump. I write down every freaking thing in yes. my brain. And then I go through, I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad when I get it out, like in the quote open on paper. And then what I do is I can be active or proactive with it then. And then I can start scheduling for it. If there's not time this week, I start next week. Like, okay, I need to get this, the carpet shampooed. I need to get this done or, you know, return this quote or whatever it is. You feel so much better. And you realize, you know what, all that, how, how heavy it felt in my brain is it's not that heavy. (laughs) Totally. I totally agree. And people do that like with stories, right? Like the story of like, I can't do this or whatever and all the reasons Mm -hmm. why, but I do believe like once you actually put that pen to paper and get it out, you can then kind of fight for all of the reasons why it's not true. So whether this is time management or, you know, a limiting belief or whatever it is, I mean, once it's out of your brain, because we are crazy psycho humans, most of us, we like create these stories that are just like absolute mini series in our head. But once we get them on paper, we can realize that they're like actually not as bad as, as we think that they are Um, for sure. So one of the things that I heard you say was a lot of your, because everyone can look at your social and look at your life and, you know, you guys have 11 companies between you and obviously quite successful. I heard you say one time though, or perhaps in a post that really most of your success has come within the last five years. Is that, is that a true statement? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is so important to point out that in the last five years, because in my personal opinion, five years is nothing, like, especially the older we get, right? Like, just oh, like I know it's it flies by. I know. I know it flies by. It's like, like I sneeze and five years have passed. <laughs> That's nothing. I was listening to a podcast one time and uh, Arthur Blank, he's the guy who had, um, he started uh, Home Depot. Uh-huh. And I remember hearing him say like, oh yeah, 42 years ago, or I think it was 46 years ago when I started Home Depot. And now it's worth like a few billion dollars. And I pushed pause and I looked at my husband because my husband's 47. And I was like, he has like, he has founded a $14 billion company in the time that you've been born. Like that is nothing. (laughs) Like I was just like, that's it. That's all it took was 14, like your lifetime. And he created a $14 billion company or 40 billion or whatever it was. But you know, five years is nothing. And I just want everyone to hear that. Who's listening to this podcast is like, you know, when you were 20, you said, you know, like you, a lot happened up until like from 20 to 30, you know, oh, you created Lord. A business. <laughs> yeah. 20s were no, not favorable to me. <laughs> yeah. Bankruptcy. You got divorced. You know, so many things happened. I didn't file bankrupt. I didn't, I didn't have a bankruptcy. Oh, sorry. You sold no. your business, right? I sold, I sold my business. Yeah. Sorry, you sold your business, but you did go through a time where you like couldn't pay payroll or yeah, something. Yeah. I couldn't pay payroll. Cause I, yeah, I was young and dumb and didn't ask for help or anything. And then, yeah, I had $42 and 86 cents in my bank account, but then that was bad. I'm aging myself, but that was back then when there wasn't online banking or anything. You had to wait for like the end of the month to get your statement and then like clear it. And I was like, oh shoot, I didn't understand terms or invoicing or anything else. So I learned a lot of hard lessons in my early twenties with my first business, but I got super resourceful. I brought the company back within eight months to a really high six figure um, account. And then I sold it. Uh, I decided to sell it maybe a year, two years after that, maybe. And then uh, I sold it in three hours, sold my building, my property, everything. And 
on to the next one. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, you did not go bankrupt. I apologize. You you were, you got to a no, low point in life, but super low, yeah, super low super, and professionally, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in a in a personal and professional side. But I just think it's really important to point out that like really your most of your success has come within the last five years. And yeah. so many people when they're starting, they think that like it's just gonna take forever and that like, you know, all of the things it can be both, right? It can take a lot of time. Like I've always been in everything that I do for the long run. Like it doesn't matter how long it takes. I will, I will be here until, but I also think too, the really cool thing is that like in five years you have created so much success. And I think that that's just like amazing thing for people to hear that like, yes, sometimes it takes a long time, but also five years is nothing. And you've been able to create what you have. And I I think it's really important that people hear that. And what do you think, like in your personal opinion, like the determining factor for yourself in your success over the last five years has been like, what is the one or two key factors that besides obviously time management, but you know, (laughs) what are the, the one or two things that you can nail down and say, you know what, these are the two things that really have propelled my success the most in the last couple of years. I stopped focusing or having a mindset of scarcity and I switched to an abundance mindset that this is going to happen. It's going to be this, you know, I got a big into visualization, um, vision board. Um, I read every single day and as you know, it's, it's just pouring into it in my natural way, instead of trying to mimic or be someone I'm not, or copy what I'm seeing. It's just, and, and honestly, it's been the most comfortable way to do it because it's a hundred percent who I am and treating people the way you want to be treated. And it's just, you know, obviously I am not perfect by any means whatsoever, but I think we can all, you know, understand the fact of, Hey, you know what? People want to be treated the way that you would like to be treated. And it's been that way because, you know, my business has been strongly built on referrals and through social media. And that's because the relationships that I've built since the Snapchat days, you know, when, when Instagram started stories, all those people from Snapchat came to my Instagram and, you know, and that's how I have built my Instagram. And it's also keeping Instagram, um, clean and classy. Um, and you know, and it's, it's actually helped me a lot because I, I gained, um, a large way that I grew my following is because of the way that I decided to, um, aesthetically do my Instagram a while back. It was all white backgrounds. It would be me on one picture. The next one was food and the next one was me. And this, um, big tech company, uh, found it and picked me up. And then I was one of like the, I was a third top Instagram feed of like 2019 or something like that. Oh, that's cool. So I leveraged a lot of people over to my page and I was able to start building new relationships with them. But I mean, five years isn't a long time, but here's the thing is when you're just starting out five years seems like an eternity because you're putting all this money into your dreams. You're, you're working like crazy, like you always have, which Side note, you're never going to not work like crazy when you own a business. That's just part of it. There's never a part when it gets easier, the, the problems just become a little bit easier to solve. Um, and so five years, yeah, it's really not that m- large of a time frame. And so people just need to understand that like it is going to take time because like you mentioned earlier with social media, there's so much glorification and glam and glitz of like the quick over quote overnight success. Well, an overnight success can take 10 years to happen, you know, and like paper and plan company that was five years in the making. So quote overnight success of the brand was actually five years in the making before it actually started, you know? So, um, 
the key things would be just, you know, it is, it all boils down to relationship first. I'm writing a a book that's going to be out here in probably about six months. And a lot of it talks about that and the importance of the relationships that you build throughout your career. And it's, um, you know, just getting out there, being in, being, I did so much stuff for free. I gave so, so much because, you know, people understand, you need to understand branding and marketing. You know, I was branding myself for years. So branding is, Branding is the the push and marketing is the pull. So you're pushing all your valuable content, your free stuff, your free webinars, your meetups, your, I did, you know, nutrition classes. I just was throwing free, free stuff out all the time to, to help to build my following and to build, you know, the brand awareness and things. And then the marketing is the pull, which is when you finally ask for something. And my ask was, will you buy my cookbooks? Will you buy my planner? Those types of things. And people see the value in the branding because they, they say, you know what? She gave me so much. I want to support her. So let me go ahead and buy her cookbook or let me buy her planner. And then I'm going to share with my friends and so on and so forth. That's so cool. You know, one thing that you said right there that I think is really important because I don't believe that there's such thing as balance either. I th- I look at, I call it seasons, but you actually have a really cool analogy for what it's called. What do you guys call it? I call it a blend and a bleed. So I say that it's a blend and a bleed strictly because, you know, one, I work with my husband and we own these companies, you know, like we work within the companies um, that we own and uh, that I run. And so it's like, there's never a time to turn it off or on because something that I love most recently that I heard uh, Tim Grover say in his new book, Winning, it says, if you, I have, love that book. If you have balance, what is it? If, you have, if you're at balance, the scale's at zero, right? If you put 15 pounds on one side, 15 pounds on the other, it's going to zero out. That's considered, quote, balance. You can't give yourself that way. So it's, you know, some days it requires a lot more of me to be invested in my work. Other days, you know what? I might just have three hours of work I got to get done and the rest can be for me to do things around the house, spend time with the dogs, you know, whatever it might be. So it's, it, it's an understanding that, you know what, you're never, there's no such thing as a perfect balance. And I think people stress themselves out trying to find a perfect balance. And that brings up the point of, well, I have an unsupported partner or spouse that doesn't get it, or they're on me a lot because I work so much. Look, I've been there. I had um, a partner that was, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't favorable to how much I worked. They're a great person, but they did not like that I worked so much. And that's just who I am. And therefore, you know, it just didn't work out, you know, because it's two totally different wavelengths that you're on. So, you know, if you don't have that supportive spouse, the thing is that have you actually told them what your dream is, like what you're working for? Have you broke this down and vision casted for them of like, look, here's where I'm going and connect the dots for them? Or do they just think you're working mindlessly? You know, share your goal with them, share the vision, share your time frame with them of like, hey, by six months, I'm going to be doing this. At the one year mark, I'm going to be able to hire two employees and then that'll take some of this off my plate. So I just really need your help this first year to get through this. You know, it, it's having those conversations and also letting them understand that you're working very hard to contribute to a life that they are a part of. And that's so crucial because you're not, you don't want to be in this alone because entrepreneurship is very, very hard. And it, you do need that support and someone to lean on when, you know, shit hits the fan. And I should say when it hits the fan, because it's every day, you the mean? Fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's important that you have someone that is supportive of you in your corner for days like that. Oh, I love that. I, I, you know, I get that question quite often. My husband comes on the podcast here and there. Um, he owns his own business as well, and he's quite successful. And 
people have always asked, how did you get Nathan on board? How did you get Nathan on board? And first of all, my answer was like, I didn't get him on board. He had to get that. He got on board by himself. He decided, he just kind of, you know, he saw that I was changing and like developing and, you know, morphing. He, he literally said, he's like, I would have been lazy had I not decided to kind of step up on the plate as well. But, you know, I always say to like women, especially who are thinking like about investing in something or, you know, going all in on their business. And I always say like, how do you approach it? Just like you said, how do you approach it with your spouse? Do you go to them? Like, perhaps maybe I'm thinking about, I know it's a big deal. I know it's a lot of money. Or do you go to them confidently saying like, I know that this is the next step that I need in order to do X, Y, and Z. And I'd love for you to be a part of it. And I think that to me, that is just like the absolute game changer. If you're not convinced in your confidence and you're not, you know, really strong in your convictions for why you need to move forward for something, why would you expect someone else to be for, for the, for you to go ahead and do something like that? And so I love that you talked about that because I think it's really important because I'm sure you get the question quite a bit as well. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, if you don't go through it with the confidence, like what you just described, the thing is that it shows that you are unsure about this path. So therefore they are going to pick up on that clearly right off the bat. And then they're going to have hesitation as well. So you're actually pushing hesitation onto someone by not approaching it confidently. And it's, you know, it's, Hey, I want to do this. Here's the plan and share with them what the, what the plan is, you know, like there used to be like the, oh, I want the five-year plan, the 10-year plan. I don't think that's, you can even do that anymore because with the change of technology and things like that, things are changing much more quickly than the five to 10 year. You know what I mean? Like what would have taken me 10 years, 20 years ago is actually going to take me about three years now because of technology. They were just such, that is like, I hate technology, which is why I sell paper, but that is one of the, that is one of the beauties of it. So it's important that you share with them, like, I want to do this. And then once this gets going, I'm going to branch off and have this. And then I'll have a team under this and really kind of quote, sell them on this whole vision that you created, because then it shows them that you have really thought through everything. It's not just some whim that you've just like, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I follow these girls that use hashtag boss, babe. I want to be a boss, babe. And so then they just like come up with something. (laughs) I don't even know what the fuck a boss, babe is. Like I literally have never thought of myself as a boss, babe in my life. So like, I don't think I've ever used that hashtag. I haven't either. I haven't, I know it's like a, you know, a little catchphrase, you know, that's on like a lot of stationery and stuff. I'm just like, look, I just want to be, I just want to be a boss of my life period. I don't need, I don't need a reminder of it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the paper and plan co is not a, um, you are not like the glitterly sparkly. You no, are like we, class black and, act. Yeah. yeah. We want black and white simple. Cause we have a lot of men, um, customers as well. And I wanted something sleek and sophisticated yes. that no matter what your aesthetic is or what your vibe is, these would be pieces that what you would feel proud of. They look very sophisticated whenever they're on your desk. <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this because I just like think this about you. Are you ever going to go into like the home decor side of things? Cause like that seems so you. Yeah. I don't know about that. I've actually, no. uh, well, I don't know. I have some other things that I have planned okay. for the next three years. And so I'll see where that takes me, but I'm not saying no to that. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you look like that. My mom's an interior designer. I never got that. I never got that gene. I have like a, a gorgeous home, but my husband's a devel- developer. My mom's like an architectural designer. So like the perfect combo, they speak a language oh, yeah. that I don't even speak, <laughs> which is fabulous. Like they get in the arguments, not me. I'm like, 
Yeah, I know what I like, but yes, you have a very, like, it's a very sleek paper and planco. If you've never gone to Emily's website, you should definitely check it out. I'm <laughs> sure you follow her on social media. Um, before I kind of let you go, the last question I always ask everyone is if, was there ever a decision that you made that you were afraid to make that once you finally made it, it ended up being better than you expected, or was it awful? And there was a big lesson to be learned. Mm, okay. So this is going to be kind of a weird one. But I think one thing that I was very hesitant about was selling my first business um, because like I said, you know, I had started the business there, but I also owned the, pro the building and the property with it. Um, and I was very hesitant um, to sell that because I was scared that I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. Um, but I was, you know, like I mentioned that previous relationship I was in, they didn't, they weren't happy with it that I worked so much. So finally I just said, you know, I got tired of it. And I said, fine, I'm going to, I'm going to sell the shop. And they were like, okay. And so the next day I called the real estate agent and mind you, like I was terrified because the words came out of my mouth and then I was like, okay, we got to do this. And I was like, could not sleep. And then the business, um, yeah, I signed the papers and then she called me three hours later and said, well, we, it, we got it sold or, you know, ready. They've got the, you know, down payment, blah, blah. blah. And I was like, oh Lord. And at the time I thought it was almost like an ending to my life in a sense, I know it sounds so silly because I was only like 26 years old, but um, I was just like, because I had, I had attached my identity to being a young entrepreneur and business owner and like, you know, all my friends, like I went to college and stuff, but um, all my friends were still in college and I got done. I did an accelerated program. So I got done really fast. And uh, I was just like, what do I, what do I do now? And so that was very scary. And at first I regretted it. I'm like, why did I give in? Why did I not just stand my ground? But then um, about a year after I sold it, then I, um, you know, ended that relationship and moved on. And then I ended up working for someone who I met randomly, which is so funny because I love cooking. I sold Pampered Chef back in the day and uh, just because I wanted all the stuff and I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to pay for it. And uh, so I did that and I met actually, um, I did a cooking show for an, uh, a woman and then six or seven months later, she called me and they had warranties on stuff with Paper Chef. And I was like, oh, I'll call her, you know, later tonight. I called her and she offered me a job as their, um, I was their accounting and uh, operations manager for a design firm. And it's so funny because how I left my shop, left my relationship, got this new job, like started selling Paper Chef, met the boss. She, she recognized my uh, resume whenever it was like a monster.com. I don't even know if that's around anymore. I took that job and at that job is where I met Andy. So, wow. and then, then we knew each other for three years and then um, we've been together, I guess, 13 years now. So we've known each other about 16 years and then uh, been together 13 years and married nine. So it's just kind of weird, like how it comes about because Andy's just like the most supportive partner I could ever, ever want. Like I couldn't wish for someone to be better. You know what I'm saying? Like if I could custom design it with God, like that would be who I would want, you know? <laughs> so it's just, you know, it, it's important because I realized that it's not just, you know, it didn't just, it, it led me to the right person to have a great life and have so much fun, but to also let me truly shine at who I am of being an entrepreneur and helping people and doing things that I love, you know, and I didn't have that before. So something that can seem like the biggest, like quote failure, can be the biggest win down the road. It's just all about perspective. Oh, I love it so much. I, it reminds me of when I quit playing golf, I, that my whole worth, like 
my worth was tied yeah. to what I did. Like right. I literally, I remember the day that I changed my social media handle from golf Christina to be Christina, because my job on this planet is to start showing up as be Christina. I, my job is my only job is to be Christina. And that's the only yeah. thing I can do Whether that's golf that. Christina, co- coach, Christina, wife, Christina, if I'm being Christina, I'm doing a pretty good job, but I will tell you that was the scariest thing because my worth and what I did was such a, like, it was so tied to everything. And that's how I've created like this life that I'm fucking obsessed with helping other people now, because, and it would have never have happened had I not done the scariest thing ever, which was step away from golf, which led me to this life that I'm so blessed to to now lead. So that actually leads me to a little question here that we could have a little conversation on. So you and I are the same age or almost, almost the same age as me. Um, Yeah. So we're the same age. So do you feel, cause I truly feel like, and I say this on my Instagram post, everyone's like the thirties have been my best because I feel like you start to truly you know, embody who you actually are. You're not afraid of things anymore. You're ready to step fully into things. You have learned a lot of lessons, you process things. And I feel like it might be, you know, an important message for like younger women that you have listening of like, it's going to be scary. And there's going to be, you know, like you said, you are, you attach your identity to golf. Mine was being this young entrepreneur and it was scary to not be that anymore, but you had to teach yourself, like, that's not actually who I was. That's what I did. You know what I mean? And it, it's, it's differentiating the two because, you know, you pour so much into one area of who your quote identity is, but that really wasn't it. It's just what you did. It was like, you're like, let's say a quote, like performer, you know what I mean? Like all these artists and singers, that's not who they are. It's what they do. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's important to keep that, that, um, on your radar of, okay, I don't have to identify as this person. I'm actually this person, but this other thing is just what I choose to do at the moment, you know? A hundred percent for me, like the big, like I never came from a religious background. So like when I was at my lowest low, where I literally didn't know if I wanted to live, I had this horrible eating disorder. I hated my life. I was ending golf. Like it was just like this rock bottom moment for me, like 10, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, whatever it was. And I just needed something else. And that's really when I found my relationship with God. And so that was when I understood that like, I was worthy period. Like I was worthy period, whether I'm sitting on my couch doing this million dollars in the bank, playing golf doesn't matter, but I was, I am just worthy as that. And then that has allowed me to show up as the highest version of myself. That's allowed me to like be Christina to like the absolute fullest. And I would have never have gotten there had I not gone through the really hard things. But for me, like, yeah, absolutely. The thirties have been good. I'm really actually looking forward to the forties. You know, no women have said like their forties are like the absolute, absolute best. And I'm like, okay, well I'm ready for that then. (laughs) I mean, like a year, a little over a year or no, a little less than a year. I mean, um, before that, but still, I heard that too. But I just think like, you know, if you get to your thirties, then that's when I feel like that's when things really start to click and really start to happen. Because even, you know, at my age, I look at these women entrepreneurs that are like, you know, 25 and they're doing great. I was like, damn, they're like so far ahead of the game at 25. Cause most time the confidence and you know, what they're doing, the success that they're having usually doesn't happen till 35. So it's cool that they're, you know, that they have, have stepped up so early in the game. But the thing is, is that entrepreneurship isn't like a race of what age you start or how much time you've got in it or how quick you're making a buck. It's like, it's literally the day in and day out, the consistency of, you know, growing and building and working it on your terms. And like you mentioned a while back, like that you can't fall into the pit of comparison because that's going to bury you. And you're going to, 
it's like driving a car, right? If you look over at the, the guardrail, you're going to end up going there because your eyes, your body follows where your eyes go. So if you're not focusing on yourself and you're focusing on other people, that's where your attention goes. That's where you, you are going to follow instead of just putting your head down and focusing just on you. And plus it's nice not to have all those like outside distractions or influences, because then it also helps you keep your stuff more pure and organic to your design and your style and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it allows you to stay on your journey, but it's, it's so, it's so true. Do you have like, I have like, uh, there's one girl in my mastermind right now, one girl in my elite mastermind and one of my one-on-one clients, they're like the, my youngest clients they are like 24, 25. And like, every time I get on a call with them, I'm like, Oh my God, you get it. Like, like, this is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, it makes it, me so happy. I know it's rewarding. And that is one thing I think that is the beauty of social media is that it has introduced the entrepreneurship lifestyle to a younger generation. Because, you know, when we grew up, we didn't have social media like that to be influenced. So it was kind of like, unless you read books or did books on tape and things like that, you weren't really exposed to the possibilities. You know, it was more of preached of, go to college, get your career, get married, have kids, all that kind of stuff. But now I feel like just with social media, it is a double-edged sword, but the, just the possibilities are just absolutely endless of the things. There's some women that have created careers out of things. I did not even know you could create a career out of Girl, you watch some of those videos and you're just like, do what you get paid? What? I always use this quote. Um, so if you don't think you can do something, there is a six-year-old getting paid $25 million a year to play with toys. Don't tell me you can't do something. Exactly. That's the thing is like, it is just wild. Like I want to just unpackage toys and film them. I'm like, how would you like to be those parents where your six-year-old supporting you? (laughs) No kidding. Right. You can't ever say, oh, do you pay the bills around here? That six-year-old's going to say, as a matter of fact, I do. I do. Absolutely. Well, Emily, we could have, I could go on and on and on, but I do want to value your time. I just want to say thank you so much. I've enjoyed it. You guys, um, be sure to follow Emily, uh, tell everyone where they can get the planner. This is going to be coming out, you know, the planner will already be out in the month after this is released, but tell everyone where they can get the 2222 planner, how they can follow you, all the things. Okay. You can follow me. Easiest is at Emily Frisella. And then the website is thepaperandplanco.com. But if you just go to Emily Frisella on Instagram, you can click the link in my bio and all the all the stuff is there. So you don't have to remember it all. <laughs> Perfect. We'll have it all in the show notes. No problem. And I, one question is like a, a, you know, almost like a selfish question. Are you going to be hosting a, any in-person uh, events soon? I know the women in business event, I think was already this year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, so I hold that every June. Um, okay, cool. I actually had tried to plan another one in November, but I decided to not because I actually had a conflict in scheduling and also with the whole climate going on everything in the world. I wasn't sure how, if it would work out. So I'm trying to plan one for, um, like late winter and then I will have, um, the women in business one again in June. So awesome. Well, I enjoyed it so much. I appreciate you more than, you know, and you guys, I'm uh, always excited. And remember you two can decide it's always your turn. Are you one of the many people each month that tell me they can't find a tribe of like-minded people who are ready to decide it's their turn? If so, I have the absolute solution for you. It's the Decide It's Your Turn Network, a tribe of like-minded, high-vibe humans who are ready to thrive in life and business. It's a community 
off social media in its own private app where I come in and teach twice a month live, taking your questions, connecting you with amazing humans from around the globe, all for less than $100 a month. The Decide It's Your Turn Network. You guys check out the show notes, find the link, christinalacure.com forward slash network. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.